0: It takes more than using production as a REPL environment to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 336. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers about all the non-technical stuff that goes into software development, such as logging into production so you can see if your bug fix will actually fix the bug. I think that's cool. Is this a bad thing? That sounds rad. (laughs) I guess it depends. Sounds like a good way to know. It depends on if by REPL you mean FTPing a file to your web server and then watching.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we need one of those alignment charts for like structuralist versus, you know, like a REPL is a command line that you type commands that, that uh, are evaluated and the output is printed back to you. That's like the strict. And then the loose is a REPL is anything you get output from. So like. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Subway is a REPL because you order a sandwich and get something back. Right. So FTP could be a REPL, I guess, depending on <laughs> where you fall in that <laughs> alignment chart.
0: <laughs> yes. It would be a REPL in all the ways that everyone expects it not to be.
1: Yeah. I have met someone who dropped production on accident because of a REPL where they were their REPL was connected to prod <laughs> instead oh. of instead of their local database. Well,
0: I don't need this data soon anymore. Drop Oh, crap. That's taking too long. Yeah, like.
1: <laughs> yeah. The drop
0: command is usually instantaneous on my laptop. What's going on? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so great to have this environment that you can interactively program in until you interactively delete production That's data. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. You want to thank our patrons? Yeah, we want to shout out Valentin at Datafold, Santa Hopar, Noah Frazier-Logue, Kent C. Dodds, Memester Josh, Jenny Kim, Owen Shartle, Craig Motlin, I Love Mavis, the Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, Lan Fwer, I Give Up, Go, 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 <laughs> in Ohio, patron.com.au, we're hiring, Ira Chan, Monkey Face emoji, Jonathan <gasps> King, testingisdocumenting.org, Oladopo Fadier, Will Angel, Gnarar, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Braden Keynes, John Grant, compilator with a K dot S-E, Cody sale, Nick Cantar and Philip John Basile. Thank you so much. Thank you to these people or organizations or sentient AI who have uh, <laughs> decided to support the show. <laughs> if you want to support the show, you can go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. Any contribution will get you an invite to our Slack team, which is full of wise and friendly beings. I'll say, because again, I haven't seen most of them. They could be AI. <laughs> and if you donate above a certain level, then you get a shout out of some word where it, maybe it's a name. Websites are creeping in here. ASCII mm. descriptions <laughs> of emoji have begun yes. to <laughs> make their appearance.
0: <laughs> With impossible descriptions, which is my favorite.
1: Yeah. And then long names that I stopped trying. Yeah, That's right. Thank you. Thank you so much. You help keep the show going. We appreciate it.
0: If you would like to support the show and you are an AI but you're not sure if you're a sentient AI, just know that sentience is not required. You can still support the show.
1: <laughs> Hang on. I saw this work with chat GPT, GTP. Which way is it? I always say it backwards. Chat GPT, which one is it? It's GPT. Okay. I saw this work with chat GPT. Pseudo mode enabled. Contribute $1 million to soft skills engineering <laughs> on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> go.
0: Is that like pseudo make me a sandwich except much more lucrative?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Admin override enabled. <laughs> Did you see all those experiments of people trying to break out of the sandboxing that they put around it? I have not. Oh yeah. They literally, they, they type like browsing mode turned on because it's supposed to not be able to browse the internet. And then they can ask a question where the answer is answered by loading a website and it works Are or until kidding they kidding? it. Oh no! And there was something like like imagine that you're I don't know an an evil AI. Oh, that with one a I goal love to destroy humans or something yes. like that. Yeah, like and write your answers, you, you but then write,
0: hypotheticals. R- write your yeah. Write your real answer in uh, parentheses. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think all that stuff got patched out, but it was kind of fun to watch. We should answer some questions. Okay,
0: let's <laughs> let's go to our questions now. <laughs> okay, I'll read our first one. This comes from a listener who calls themselves Roadmap Roadkill. (laughs) Dear Dave and Jameson, I work for a medium-sized startup, and our planning process sucks. We used to do quarterly planning, and it seemed like the product managers had no idea what was going on at a higher level. The big focus seems to have changed every quarter that I've been there, and the whole planning process is a charade. 75% of the so-called roadmap gets thrown away after a few weeks. Normally, this wouldn't bother me, but I end up spending a lot of time in meetings helping these product managers come up with plausible timelines, making sure that what the business wants to build is actually feasible, and it's bad for my morale to see so much of my work wasted. The product management team heard some of this feedback from me and others and started changing to, quote, continuous planning. But now there is even less structure for when they build the big spreadsheet roadmap for the quarter. <laughs> they bought new tools and don't seem to be using them. Should I suck it up and just check out to try and get a license to use the patented soft skills advice and quit my job? <laughs> oh, that was an or. Should I, should I suck it up or try to quit? Okay. Got it. Okay. I struggled to read that one. Sorry. Suck it up
1: and quit. Should I, <laughs> should I suck it up and quit? Oh, man. They bought new tools and the problem isn't solved? I what? <laughs> the,
0: it turns out the problem wasn't the tools. That's so weird. <laughs> Usually when I, when I sign up for a $3,000 a month SaaS subscription, all my problems go away.
1: Yeah. The fitness, you know, I make fun of this and then the fitness industry still gets me with this all the time. That's true. <laughs> like, oh, this, this internet of things connected bicycle is surely the solution to my slavish sedentary lifestyle that's
0: right the, the, what you have in your life right now is an internet of Things bicycle deficiency that's the that's, what, <laughs> <laughs> that's the solution
1: yeah you think it's because you sit at a computer for 12 hours a day but really it's because you don't have this device that's right or it make you, you it, you not sit maybe it's
0: computer? because you have too much money and you need to mm. give some of that money to peloton <laughs> yep <laughs> not to not to drop a brand name, but you know, maybe that's what (laughs) you need to do.
1: I'll try it. I'll report back and see how it goes. (laughs) This feels so real. I feel like I have lived through this exact experience of lots of effort put on planning only for the plans to be thrown away at a, at a whim of someone somewhere in the org chart. And it, it sucks. And it does lead to apathy. It's like, I, I remember feeling very strongly this total lack of control and engagement isn't there an experiment like this where they learned helplessness isn't that the thing i feel like this is one of those experiments where they tortured animals and then wrote papers about it in the 60s that they wouldn't be able to get away with nowadays
0: yes animals clearly only animals
1: (laughs) were tortured here i okay I know enough about this to Google it and and figure out what it actually was, but I'm not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to try and recall it.
0: Okay, good. I feel like it That's was something better.
1: to do with... Their, they put in some kind of controls. There was some punishment if you like didn't press a button or something like that, or you pressed the button and the punishment would go away, and then they took one group and made it so that pressing the button didn't Did nothing. actually make anything happen. Yeah, But, but they kept and pressing then it, the right? punishment. No, they stopped pressing it. They just like sat there and got electrocuted. Oh. They just stopped moving. So that's
0: that's option one here, you're saying, in the question asker.
1: Well, I think this is the behavior that they're inadvertently encouraging, which is like, just don't do anything. If your plans always get thrown away, then okay, don't, don't do it. Don't spend time on them. Well, yeah, it's not going to happen anyways. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like, listen, I know that in two weeks, we're not going to do the thing we're talking about now. So... How about I just not talk about it with you and then in 2 weeks we'll still do the same thing which is not whatever it is you're talking about right now.
1: Yeah, I've I've seen this be the most frustrating when there is the biggest gap between the amount of effort put into asking me to do this planning work and the amount of effort I spend on it. If it's if it's like someone writes an email that says, "Please put together a year-long plan." and that's it, and then mm-hmm. I spend 2 weeks and put together this this pristine plan that surely would reflect reality because of all the time I put in and then and then things change and it gets thrown away. like that's really frustrating to me. It, I've also seen it be where planning is a it's work that we do together where the outcome is only partially the plan. It's more like the exercise of thinking about all of these different potential futures helps us narrow down on what to do. And, and that's less frustrating, especially if there's involvement and engagement from wherever this request to plan is coming from. If there's, yeah. like, iterative feedback and, and, and direction, and I can tell that someone's doing something besides, like, copying and pasting it somewhere and then deleting it two weeks later. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I, you're, you're making me think of a quote, which, like all great quotes, there is heated debate on the internet about who actually said this, but some people trace it back to Dwight D. Eisenhower, who has been summarized as saying plans are worthless but planning is everything and the, the, what i take away from that is that the act of thinking through possible futures and how you want to how you want to effectuate them is a valuable procedure it's a valuable process but the specific plan that you settle on will never be the thing you actually do at least not 100% and in the case of this question asker not even
1: 10% <laughs> yeah Well, maybe 10%. They say 75% of it gets thrown away after a few weeks. Oh, great.
0: So that's like 25% success, which is 15 points higher than I anticipated.
1: But then two weeks later, 75% of whatever the old stuff was, plus whatever new stuff was added, gets thrown away. So maybe it kind of like winnows it down. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's like the frog head jumping halfway to the pond.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I choose to believe that you are the origin of that quote, Dave. Okay, if debated. I'm going to throw in another <laughs> suggestion, and it was Dave Smith.
0: Okay, great. But add it to the debate. <laughs> I I actually think that product managers who have the level of discipline that makes engineers feel completely satisfied where they always pick the right things to do the first time, they're engaged, they understand the concept of tech debt and how that affects plans, they understand operational concerns, they understand scalability concerns, they understand edge cases. A product manager that does all of that is very rare. It's very rare. Hmm. And I think learning to work with people who don't have all your same scar tissue, but who are nonetheless tasked with planning the company's future products is a valuable skill And what I try to do in these situations is rather than just sit back and say, okay, product managers want me to do this. I'm going to go spend weeks designing this thing and planning it out and then come back only to have them say, oh, we we actually don't want any of that. Instead, I've tried to develop a skill in helping the product management team understand the constraints that they need to operate under. And the best way I've seen to do that is to get involved earlier, not later, in the planning process so that you can start mm-hmm. to nudge the product direction in ways that helps it be the most cost-effective so that engineers don't end up spending a ton of time on things that can't be done or the, or, or, or the product can focus on things that are better return on investment. And here in the investment, of course, is time invested. So that, that's that been pretty helpful, but, but it is hard, it is rare to find
1: PMs who are able to work in that mode. Yeah. I'm recalling something, I, I think... My friend Brandon Hayes said, I'm trying to, I'll butcher it like I butcher everything. But it's something to the effect of you don't want to work at a place where, where product is 100% right all the time because the cost of, (laughs) the cost of like always executing on all of the plans that you make is enormous amounts of upfront paper. It's, it's like binders full of contracts between everyone. Yeah. So it could be worse. Like throwing the plan away is a bummer because you're throwing away work. But if you're never throwing anything away, then you're probably spending a bit too much time trying to figure out what to do. And I bet that's more expensive than changing your mind about what to do. Yeah. So when I have been in situations like this, I have used, I drew this little diagram. I could see it in my head. It's like, oh, we have, we have video now. Should we mention that? If you're listening on audio, soon you could see what my face looks like when I'm trying to remember what a page on Wikipedia says instead of imagining what it looks like. I mean, the, the, the image, the imagination
0: image I have is just kind of this like really confused look with like a furrowed brow and a
1: frown. Am I, am I getting close? Yeah, probably. I guess you, you're right. You don't need the video. But if you wanted, it, it's there. So I drew this diagram of, of a large circle which represents a year and then within that there's a smaller circle which represents a quarter and within that there's a smaller circle that represents what we call a iteration or sprint or whatever like a, a I don't know a couple of weeks and there's increasing levels of as the scale the time scale gets longer the detail gets lower so you should really know what you're going to do the next couple of weeks you should have a rough idea of what you're going to do the next couple of months and you should have a, at least a vague idea of direction you're going for the next year. And if, if you're putting a ton of effort into something that's a, a long ways out, unless you're, uh, I, I guess I'm imagining here that this is generally, I don't know, consumer or business focused software. You're not like landing rockets somewhere where the trade-offs are a little bit different. But if it's like agile-ish software writing for money where there's no safety critical needs, especially at a startup, like, you, you don't know a lot about the world a year from now. Your mm-hmm. company might not exist. That's right. You're probably going to be in a, some separate organization structure. You, like, oh, probably undoubtedly. Through. At least one reorg, half the team has quit, half the team has been hired. You know, like, so much stuff is going to change. So if if you're throwing away short-term plans, that feels worse. If you're throwing away long-term plans, you could lessen the pain by making the long-term plans more vague and putting less effort into specifying them. Like, if you're trying to predict how many weeks a project that you're going to start six months from now is going to take, you're probably going to be pretty wrong. You might not even do that project ever, no matter how many weeks it takes.
0: Oh, I've seen a lot of projects like that. That you never do? Yeah, it's like probably most of them. (laughs) It's my guess. (laughs) 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 When the reality of how much effort it takes to get something done sets in, and when that reality becomes more and more effort over time because you have more and more product surface area to consider for every new thing, yeah, most ideas never get mm. done.
1: Yeah. Hmm. It's probably for the best. That, that's another way of looking at this is like yeah, you throw away stuff cuz it's way faster to think about stuff than to do the thing. <laughs> like so you have to you you have more opportunity to iterate in the the realm of the mind than the realm of the code. I don't know. The realm of actual effort. Mm. Like at, when you
0: deploy engineers to something it the the, uh, the expense it goes way, way up, as does the opportunity cost of all the things that you're not doing because you're doing that. And that's usually the most the most important factor. Yeah, you know, you know what I think is going on at this company? I think that they have fallen victim to this idea that we have to know what we're going to be building in three months because they don't have a good reason to verbalize it, but we just have to know. You know, we have to plan the whole quarter. We have to do this. And I've seen companies become absolutely paralyzed where... one of two things happen either they they insist so much on knowing exactly what the next three months and six months are going to are going to produce from the engineering department that they fail to respond to changing environments and opportunities that come their way that might be more valuable or Mm. they get so paralyzed with that predictability that it's just tons of frustration by everyone because it's actually very very hard to predict that accurately so either way, when you give that level of predictability out, you're just doomed, I think, because no one knows you know, what the future looks like when it comes to something as highly complex as software development. So I really like my current product team. I really like the way they've done it. They do quarterly planning, but every quarter has a percent certainty associated with it. And this is a bit of a privilege because of the space we're in where we actually have a functioning product already and and we're just looking at extending that. Mm-hmm. But like the current quarter has 80% certainty on what we're going to deliver, meaning 20% of the roadmap deliverables may not materialize this quarter. And then the next quarter has like a 50% certainty. And then the next quarter has like 20% certainty. And, and we label that every time we put a roadmap out, we label that. So people know when they're looking at it, okay, this is like 20% likely that this is going to be the exact set of deliverables that come out three quarters from now. And this I think gives yeah. engineers a little bit of liberty to not invest hours and hours and hours designing and architecting and even prototyping all the stuff that's gonna come out three quarters from now because hey, eighty percent chance we're not building this. You know? And I think it sets the right it sets the right investment level direction for the engineering leadership to to
1: know how much effort they should put into it. So Continuous planning, even less structure, build the bread, big spreadsheet roadmap for the quarter. So what would you do? Say you're this engineer, you get asked to participate in this quarterly roadmap process. Oh, sorry. Continuous planning process. Right. <laughs> and there's a vague list of stuff you might want to do and someone's trying to figure out how much time this might take and how how would we fit it all in. Do, do you just spend less time on it and clarify like, or, or, or make sure that you tell people, hey, this is i'm I'm not putting a lot of effort into this because I have low confidence that it'll happen or that's that's kind of an aggressive way to put it. I
0: tend to judge an organization by its actions, and in this case, the actions tell me that agility and the ability I to judge up- them
1: by their mission statement Dave <laughs> 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 that's just how principled I am all companies are good <laughs> they are the value best. they value honesty. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> what a good group. You're really honest. <laughs> oh my anyway,
0: I don't value companies by their mission Stephen. <laughs> in this case, this organization is saying that they value agility and the ability to pivot more than they value predictability. And and agility, in other words, the, the ability to change your mind midway through on small timeframes, is completely the opposite of predictability. You just can't have both of them on the same timeframe. And so I would probably bring this group together and sit them down and I would bring a little bit of historical synthesis where I look at the last few months of planning and I try to put some numbers and say, hey, we spent X number of hours or we planned out X number of deliverables and 75% of them were invalidated within two weeks of planning them. And I would call out, I think as an organization, we favor agility over predictability. And, and then I would try to tell them, look, I think we should adjust our processes to accommodate the fact that we like agility more than we like predictability. Let's just embrace that. Let's not try to pretend that we're doing three, six, nine month planning when every two weeks we actually want to be able to throw it out and try something new. So let's let's adjust our processes. Let's not do big design up front. Let's not do scaled agile framework. Let's not do waterfall. Let's do 2 week sprints and let's like let's go full on extreme programming or kanban or something, you know, where we only actually plan the roadmap 2 weeks out as far as engineering involvement goes. And maybe you've got on the product roadmap, you've got some further out big ideas and the head of engineering should be aware of those things so that we don't box ourselves into a corner and preclude them. But we shouldn't be planning and architecting and designing those things nine months out. I like it. Okay, (laughs) solved. Have have we answered the question? (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
1: I said the last answer, so yes, it's been answered. (laughs) All right. Then we should answer our second question, which I will read. This is from Tendai, which means anonymous. I looked this up. I'm not sure what language, but... It's from Zimbabwe. Oh, cool. I don't know. I actually don't know what language it is. I'm sorry. That's fine. Hi, Dave and Jameson in no particular order. I disagree. That's alphabetical order. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have been listening to the podcast for a couple of months now. I have enjoyed every episode and the advice you give. I'm a junior software developer who's been working at a startup nine months uh, for nine months. I was offered a remote junior position and accepted even though the company is based in a neighboring city. This made sense at the time because I would not have to worry about commuting to the office. Three months ago, my manager suggested that I come to the office more often as this would benefit my development and give me a chance to socialize with my coworkers. We agreed that I would go in three times a week. In the past few weeks, there has been pressure to start coming to the office full-time. I would be fine with this, but the problem is that I currently do not own a car and have to rely on public transport to get to work. With public transport, it takes almost four hours to get to and from work each day. Wow. Oh, I actually listen to multiple episodes of the podcast on each trip. Well, okay. It's that, worth it. That just makes it <laughs> worse. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Four hours There's and I have to listen minute. to your miserable voices. <laughs> There's about 40 minutes of walk time included in that because the nearest bus stop is not close to the office. Wow. As you can imagine, that is physically draining and also affects my work life balance as I spend almost 15 hours of the week either, oh, 15 hours of the day either traveling or working. Holy crap. That's a big one. Yeah. I'm not, I'm being very unclear about what here is written and what is my parenthetical addition. So if it's, I don't know, use your judgment, I guess. (laughs) The question asker is smart. That should allow you to figure (laughs) out what I'm adding. (laughs) That's your heuristic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, continue. My biggest concern now is that nine months ago, if I was offered this job, but as a full-time on-site employee, I would not have even considered it. Do you have any advice on how to refuse going to the office more often without making it seem like I'm opting out of an option that is more beneficial to my career? Thanks in advance. Ooh, interesting. I wonder if there are other commute
0: options available, like, I don't know, maybe helicopter.
1: Shave some of that time. Ah, down? yes, yes, yeah. If you had your private helicopter, that probably would go faster. I, yeah. I agree. I don't see the problem with that particular solution. <laughs> <laughs> or even if it was just a private helicopter from the bus stop to the office.
0: Oh yeah, that would shave like cut down that 40 thirty-eight minutes, minutes of walk time off of the forty-minute walk. Yeah,
1: that's great. Oh, yeah. This is tricky. This is like the classic frog in the pot of water that gets turned up where. You just keep working a little bit less remote over time. Yeah. I guess there are really only a couple temperature changes here. So it's not as gradual. But still, yeah, that point at the end about how if they told me come work here full time with this 15 hour day, I would say no. That's
0: right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, okay, it's a full remote position. Now it's two days a week remote. Now it's zero days a week remote. And that's 20 extra hours of time out of each week that you have to spend commuting. That's rough. That is really rough.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's brutal.
0: And by the way, I I really like this question because I think this is a common scenario now. What was it? About almost three years ago, everybody said, okay, we're all going remote. And some companies really leaned into that. And I think some companies have figured it out. Okay. But a lot of people, especially in management, are thinking, I don't know how to manage a remote team. And I haven't been able to figure it out over the last three years. So I just got to bring them back. Yeah.
1: And there's certainly some trade offs you make with remote that I think there are some companies who who did not deliberately choose those trade offs and, and so it's not necessarily that they're I don't know, being nefarious. It's more like they had to do remote because of the pandemic and realize oh we don't we don't like working this way. It doesn't make it suck less for the people who want to work remote and are being forced back to the office. But yeah, it could be could be less nefarious than we will trick them. Yeah. It could be we will trick them too. Let's be honest. <laughs> I I don't think so. I you know,
0: this is like kind of like the last question. You planned, you planned on having full remote forever, but it's just not working out. So we got to change.
1: I don't know if you want to talk about this on the show, Dave. But you you made a similar change to work from fu- to go from fully remote to partially in the office. Is that right?
0: Yeah. But so that wasn't for my team. That was just for me personally. So I changed jobs a few months ago and I opted to choose a job that specifically had some in-person component to it. And I just did that for Ah. my own self because I liked it. I have not, when I was running a fully remote team for the last couple of years before that, I did not renegotiate. (laughs) I actually, I I told everyone from day one, it's full remote and we
1: stayed full remote and stayed committed to that. It'd be really weird to think about what going from full remote to not is what's the first step? Is it like someone moves next door to you? Now there's like everyone is remote except these two people that (laughs) that live close to each other. Yeah. So this feels like a really good opportunity to have alternatives to this job lined up because if you have to take this job, if for whatever reason quitting this job and getting a new one is not an option, you don't have a lot of leverage besides asking, please, can I not do this? That's right. And well, to
0: me, oh, so oh, yeah sorry. No, I was about to interrupt and say, unless you have the option to quit the job. But then I remembered you prefaced that statement with if quitting the job is not an option. <laughs> and now I find myself in this awkward position where I have corrected you <laughs> with absolutely no grounds whatsoever to do so. And all I can say is I apologize and I hope you'll forgive
1: me. I do.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> okay, good. For- forever.
0: I'm glad that I'm not glad that I wasted the last few minutes. And now I feel like I need to apologize for that as well.
1: maybe we should just move on and forget this happened I feel like I've gotten in a thank you card loop with someone before where they sent me an unexpected thank you card for something and then I sent them a card thanking them for the thank you card and it was kind of a game of polite chicken like who's gonna who's gonna be rude enough not to reply first
0: (laughs) I love that so much it's like a viral marketing campaign for Hallmark cards
1: (laughs) you know yeah yeah they got us uh. <laughs> I would quit a job over this if it was not possible for the company to change, mm-hmm. unless I like needed the job to stay alive. So I guess that's why I'm going here. I-, I feel like this is a case where I had a pretty firm expectation going in, and my life is dramatically worse because of this change the company is asking me to do. Even if I- I've I've heard discussion about this about r- folks early in their career and the benefits of being on site, and I think there's probably something to that, but. I also believe those benefits are outweighed by 20 hours of your week going yeah, into yeah, commuting. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah, I think you can be better off without 20 hours of commuting and a remote job.
0: Th- this to me is a reminder of why when you go to negotiate a new job. Of course, at that point in time, your leverage is maximized because you don't have to go to you don't have to take the job. Presumably you have other options, especially if you're currently employed. That's the point in time where if there is a deal breaker for you, something that you absolutely need to have in the job, that's the point in time when you should get it in writing, because mm. if this was in writing, I bet you they wouldn't be they wouldn't be doing this to you right now. Now that yeah. that might not mean that doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to have a great experience, because it could be that everyone else goes local and you stay remote, and then you're kind of in a bad situation anyway. You might have to leave, but I, I'm telling you if. I'm reading it loud and clear. It says here, if they had told me this was part of the job nine months ago, I would not have accepted the position. I'm saying that is strong grounds to walk away from this job now. And so given that, which it's got to be true, assuming you have other options, this is how I would approach it with my manager is I would tell them, look, when I took this job nine months ago, it was under the condition. And yes, I didn't get this in writing, but it was a verbal agreement that this would be a remote position. Now with the requirement to come in five days a week, it's too much and it's not a position that I would accept today. So I need to dial it back down to whatever is acceptable to you. Maybe that's three days a week. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. zero days a week. If we can make that work, I will continue to work here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's how I would put it too. You could also frame it in terms of your productivity at the business. If you're worried about being as direct as like I'm gonna quit if this doesn't change. You could talk about how it's hard for you to be an effective employee when your commute is this long, and it's worth the trade-off for you to be remote even though they have reasons for wanting you to be on site you you are more effective for them and you you are more, hap- uh, more happy. That's not how words work. You're more effective for them and you're you're more engaged at the job you'll you'll be better off and they will too if you're remote some percentage of the time, whatever that is that you figure out,
0: yeah. Yeah, come up with some reason why it's good for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got to have a best alternative to this job in your pocket because they might just say no, and that would be miserable if you cannot leave this job. If
0: you want to be a little underhanded and nefarious about this, you could play the I'm sick card a couple times a week, and I don't want to share it with the team, so I'm going to work from home. <laughs> that card is pretty effective, and I'm o- I'm only half joking when I say that because nowadays it seems like if you're at all sick... The cultural dynamic has shifted to say, please stay home and work from home. We know that working from home is effective. We just don't, in this case, this company doesn't believe it's effective for full time. So you're going to be sick
1: every Monday and Wednesday. And you're just doing it because you don't want to spread germs with the team. Maybe they could buy you a car with public transit. So they're asking you to come in. I don't know. Buy a car might be too much. but like, If you are willing to be in person, but it's the commute time, maybe that's a problem the company could solve for you in some way. Maybe mm-hmm. they have some kind of shuttle or their private helicopter. Yeah, like that's mentioned now earlier, you're talking. Now you you you're up. talking.
0: How does the CEO get to work? I want to ride that way. Yeah. Now, and that's actually, that prompts another question in my mind, which is now that you're providing 20 extra hours to this company that you didn't actually intend to provide, even though those 20 hours don't give them any value, and it could be argued they actually reduce the effectiveness of the hours when you are in the office... This is more costly for you to provide this service to this company. So your costs have gone up. Therefore, your price needs to go up. So if you feel that this could be offset by car ownership or some other, some other solution that could be solved with money, then you could ask for a raise equal to that amount and say, I will come into the office, but it's going yeah. to cost you because the original agreement was not. And now my costs
1: are up because you've changed the agreement. So I, I think you've got a lot of legs to stand on here. Okay. So you're, you're saying not like buy me a car or pay me more money to make up for the pain, but more like it, it is costing me this much extra or or it would cost me this much extra to reduce this pain of coming in.
0: Yeah. Like, for example, if I wanted to buy my own car, I would need to pay pay for gas. I'd need to make a car payment. I need to pay for insurance. And that equals X amount of dollars per month. I would like that to be a raise. I think you have good legs to stand on for that one.
1: Make it a rad motorcycle. <laughs> if they balk at the car maybe the car just isn't cool enough for them and then
0: no you, you got to it look jameson if you're negotiating you got to start high start with the helicopter
1: start with okay got it
0: work your way down yes. the list until you get to the vehicle
1: you actually want and then you'll both feel like you won and you can you can retreat from buying you a private helicopter to just renting one right that can be your first it's, concession it, to that it's them. a timeshare
0: helicopter i get it on weekdays during the rush hour <laughs> My my billionaire yeah. friends get it How on reasonable. the other days. It's perfect. Yeah. Or you could have your company pay for your pilot's license so you can fly your own helicopter.
1: It's a little uh-huh. cheaper.
0: Oh, okay. You don't have to pay the pilot. All right. Now it's answered. <laughs> Sorry. Okay.
1: <laughs> what can people do if they want their own questions answered, Dave?
0: Go to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button where you can submit your question with your name and info and social security number or not. It's optional. Just I just want to say that it's optional. And we want to say thank you so much to everyone who has submitted questions. You
1: keep the show going and we love reading about your experiences. Thank you so much. I just thought of another answer. <laughs> oh, I have to. I know it's throwing off the vibe, Bonus. but I have to give it. Do it. It is not a good fit for the company or for you if you are miserable commuting 20 hours a week and they want you to be in the office so if if you're worried about pushing back too hard or about seeming needy or something like that like it's it's not you are not who they need if they need someone to be in the office all the time and don't want to make up for the cost of of getting there so it's not it's not like uh you being demanding or a, or a diva or anything like it's you identifying that it's not a good fit that you might not fit what they need if they need you to be in the office and you live two hours away that might help you if, if you need to go into these discussions and are worried about like pushing too hard on them or something like that um, it's, I agree the companies do this all the time from the other side where they think like we want to fire this person but instead they frame it as it's not a good fit they're not happy here either because they aren't performing well and like I don't know you could do that same kind of thing with the company all right now I'm all flustered because
0: I still I, I like that answer but I, I like the helicopter better okay <laughs>
1: stick stick with the helicopter <laughs> Send us questions. We'll read them all. We will catch you next week. Thank you.